0: In a day when discernment is lacking, you will hear the truth on Understanding the Times Radio, making a difference in keeping the church informed about the issues in our day. With Jan Markell.
1: One of the uh, signs that uh, the Bible tells us to watch for that will characterize the end times is increasing apostasy in the church with mainline Christian leaders denying even the fundamentals of the faith. I read a book recently by a a bishop of one of the mainline denominations and in that one book he denied the virgin birth, he denied the uh, miracles of Jesus, he denied the resurrection, denied the second coming and argued that Paul and Timothy were homosexual lovers can ever convince a congregation of two things, you'll totally change them. If you can convince them, number one, that Jesus really is returning. Number two, if that is an event that could occur any moment. You will motivate them to evangelism mm-hmm. and to holiness.
0: This is Understanding the Times Radio with Jan Markell. In our next two segments, Jan talks with Dr. David Reagan about the issues of prophecy and how many people do not feel safe discussing this issue in their family and in their church. Once again, here is Jan Markell.
2: Let me ask a question are we on the brink of Christ's return? My guest for the rest of the program thinks we are. His newest book, Living on Borrowed Time, The Imminent Return of Jesus, Dr. Dave Reagan, is a frequent guest on this program. He's been a speaker at four Understanding the Times conferences. He's a great resource in the field of eschatology or the doctrine of the last days. And a feature of this new book is, which we carry, by the way, I'll tell how to order it later, is input from 22 Bible prophecy participants who weigh in on many issues and questions. And David Reagan is the founder of Lamb Lion Ministries. We'll give contact information just a bit later. And David uh, Reagan, uh, welcome back to the program. Always enjoy having you.
1: Well, thank you, Jan. It's always good to be talking with you.
2: Early in your book, you address the two major viewpoints about which you are writing. And just briefly, why don't you outline Line, both of them, because we have some new listeners, and they may not be totally tuned into this. It would be helpful.
1: The viewpoint that uh, predominates in Christianity today, the viewpoint of the Catholic Church, and the viewpoint of all the uh, mainline uh, Protestant, most of the, at least most of the mainline Protestant denominations, is called amillennialism. It's kind of a strange word, and it comes from the fact that in Greek, if you want to negate something, you put the letter mm-hmm. A in front of it. So Ah millennial means no millennium. That's really misleading because of people who hold that viewpoint do believe in a millennium, but they believe we're living in it right now. Right. They believe it began at the cross and it will continue until the Lord Jesus Christ returns. When you first hear that, you kind of think, "What? Uh, we're living in the millennium now?" I mean, the Bible says that the world is going to be flooded with peace, righteousness, and justice, and as the waters cover the sea, is that going on now? And our millennials will say, "Yes." Relatively speaking, things would be a whole lot worse if it weren't for the back at the holy Spirit's in the world and because the holy spirit is active in the world today then we have relatively peaceful situation compared to what it would be otherwise but that's not really the picture that the bible presents it also uh, says that the uh, bible says during the uh, millennium that the uh, Uh, Satan will be bound, and he certainly is not bound today uh, unless he's bound on a very long chain. (laughs) So there's a lot of problems with that viewpoint. It became the viewpoint of the Roman Catholic Church in 400 A.D. uh, when Augustine came up with it. And the way he came up with it was simply to spiritualize everything the Bible has to say about the end times. So the amillennial viewpoint is based upon a spiritualization of Scripture. In other words, saying Scripture doesn't really mean what it says. What it means is this. Uh, and then you tell us what it means. The viewpoint that, uh, that I hold is called the premillennial viewpoint. It has um, been blessed with a lot of great spokesmen like um, Hal Lindsey and Tim LaHaye and people like that over the years. And uh, it is a viewpoint that says, uh, no, uh, the millennium is future. It's not going on right now. It's going to come when Jesus Christ returns. The church is not going to build the millennium. Jesus Christ is going to present the millennium. And um, it is based upon a plain sense interpretation Mm -hmm. of Scripture. It's just what the Scripture says. It does not spiritualize the Scripture. My rule for interpretation of all Scripture is if the plain sense makes sense, don't look for any other sense or you'll end up with nonsense. Just think it for its plain sense meaning. And so those are two major viewpoints. There is a third one called post-millennialism, but it it pretty well died out at the beginning of the uh, 20th century and is not very uh, widespread today.
2: Well, sadly, um, you go on to state, which I am quite aware of, that what you and I believe uh, is actually more of a minority view. And that's kind of tragic. And and that may play into what I'm going to bring out a little bit later in this interview, and that is some response some people are getting when they talk about issues in the context you and I do, some of the flack they're getting. But it's kind of tragic. David, has something changed over the last 50 years that this Theology that you and I believe seems to be shrinking in the churches?
1: Yes, because uh, one of the uh, signs that uh, the Bible tells us to watch for that will characterize the end times is increasing apostasy in the church. And Jan, you well know, uh, you've had so many programs about that, you know we're up to our ears in apostasy in the church today with mainline Christian leaders denying even the fundamentals of the faith. I read a book recently by a, a bishop of one of the mainline denominations, and in that one book he denied the virgin birth. He denied the uh, miracles of Jesus. He denied the resurrection, denied the second coming, and argued that Paul and Timothy were homosexual lovers. That's the kind of gross apostasy that exists in the church today. And when apostasy increases, then people move farther and farther away from any kind of literal interpretation of the Bible. They just want to spiritualize it all to mean whatever they want it to mean. And so uh, as a result of that, people have moved away from a literal interpretation of Bible prophecy. And that's it's tragic because, again, the bottom line is this. The first coming prophecies that Jesus fulfilled, there were 109 of them. The first coming prophecies he fulfilled meant what they said. And that's our, that's our guideline for the second coming prophecies. If the first coming prophecies meant what they said, then the second coming prophecies surely mean what they say. And yet people take them and spiritualize them to death and just make them mean whatever they want them to mean.
2: Talking to uh, Dr. Dave Reagan, lamblion.com. And many of you know, I'm familiar with David, his ministry, products he produces. I have one of them in front of me, Living on Borrowed Time, The Imminent Return of Jesus. It is a very good overview of a lot of uh, end time issues. Paperback book, find it at all of TreeViews.org, and David, I happen to be looking right now that you list here about 50 sort of signs of the times, and I mean, and you state that you could list many, many, many Not more. Good, yes. See, these are some signposts that um, are kind of exploding on us now, it's coming true, I mean, goodness, increase in occultism, wars and rumors of wars, yes. weapons of mm-hmm. mass destruction, increasing famine, and some of these we've had forever, but the big difference is they're all on overdrive now, they're all just Exploding types of signs.
1: If you look at that list I've got there, you see the word increasing, increasing, increasing increasing over and over again because, again, uh, Jesus said that in the end times, these signs were going to be like birth pangs, which I believe means that they're going to increase in frequency and intensity. So there'll be more of them and more tense in every category. And I think that's what we're seeing today. I think uh, the other thing that I would point out there, Jan, is that uh, we're seeing all of them coming together. Mm -hmm. In the past, there may have been one or two or three or four, even five or six or ten. Now we're seeing seeing all of them come together. And as you said at the very beginning, one aspect of this book is about 60 pages that I devoted to what I called a prophetic forum, in which I sent out 11 questions to 22 Bible prophecy uh, experts and asked their opinions, and you were one of those that was included in that. Thank you. And and uh, we really appreciate your responses. And, and so we went through a bunch of questions. And one of the things that, that was very, I thought, very insightful is that I asked the question. In fact, I think it was the very first question I asked, and that was, Do you believe we're living in the season of the Lord's return? If so, why? And all 22 said definitely that we were living in the season of the Lord's return. We can't know the date, but we believe we can know the season. And uh, many focused in on Israel, but the majority said, You know, the thing that convinces me the most that we're living in the season of the Lord's return is not any one particular Mm -hmm. sign, but the convergence. That was the word they used over and over. The convergence of signs, how they're all coming together today. And um, that's really true. I mean, the Bible says in the end time Israel will exist. It does. It says that the old Roman Empire is going to be revived. It's in the process uh, with the European Union. Talks about how all the Arab states will come together against Israel. That's happening. Talks about how Russia will be a menacing power to the north. That's happening. Talks about how the uh, church will move into gross apostasy, and we Mm -hmm. see that happening all over the place. And all these things are coming together for the first time all of them in what uh, I would call convergence.
2: I want to play a soundbite. It's Joel Rosenberg talking to Glenn Beck. Rosenberg's got incredible inroad to talking to these secular guys right. and giving them some insight. And I, I kind of raised this. You and and Rosenberg were at my um, Understanding yes. the Times 07 conference, and I remember Joel was sitting in the front row listening to you. He really, really appreciated what you had to say. And he said to me later on, he's got so much more to learn, and but, and he has even in the last five, six years. Learned a lot. He was with me again in, in 2011. But just this is just a real short sound clip and then I want to get your response because he's, okay. he's doing exactly what you just did. He's saying to Beck, he's saying, look at how these things are coming together. The convergence.
3: Full hour conversation tonight about the end of days and I encourage you to listen and read Dead Heat by Joel Rosenberg. Uh, Joel is my guest for the full hour. Let me, uh, I just want to go through a laundry list of, uh, of a couple of things. Um, first of all, Putin, is it
4: possible he's Gog? It's possible. Uh, Ezekiel 38 says that a dictator with an evil intent will rise to power in Russia and form military alliances all throughout the Middle East. That's certainly what Putin is doing. Is he Gog? Too early to say. He's certainly Gog-esque.
3: Okay, (laughs) Gog-esque. Very nice. Um, But... We do know that it's very specific that Russia and Iran are supposed to have ties. Absolutely. And that's never happened before. In
4: 2,500 years since the prophecy Uh, was written, Russia and Iran have never had an alliance until today. Okay.
3: And then also, there's prophecy about Russia and Libya. Absolutely. And the same,
4: same Ezekiel 38. Uh, and that's right we 've never we you know Russia had an alliance with Libya in the seventies and eighties, but that was disbanded but now Vladimir Putin has just literally visited uh Libya to sign a Multi-billion-dollar arms deal. Okay, Um, I
3: remember when I was a kid, and um, you know, we'd read the Bible and and we'd talk about the different uh, you know prophecies in it, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember very clearly, cashless society Um, that you you know you'd be, be numbered and chipped and everything else. I I actually spoke to one of the guys who helped develop the chips, and and he was fine with it, and you know, it was for tracking dogs and everything else. When they got to the point to where they were thinking, hey, this will be good to put in the hand of somebody to be able to track your children so they can't be kidnapped. And, oh, my gosh, we can we can put it with the RFID so you can go in and buy stuff. When he started telling me this story, he broke down in tears and he said, I quit. That day, because I knew what I was. I'm not. It's not saying that this yeah, is what right. the technology is right. used for today, right. but it is appearing to be the technology that has been predicted for thousands of years. Right. Uh, what are the other things that you see that we thought were insane when we were growing up? That are starting to happen.
4: Well, one of them is uh, global satellite television technology. Uh, there are several places in the Bible. One is in Ezekiel thirty-eight. The other places in Revelation, where the Bible says certain events, very specifically defined events, will be seen by the whole world. Well. You know, that was not possible 2,500 years ago. It wasn't possible 50 years ago. Now, with global satellite television technology, you could watch an event like a war with Israel, uh, or you could watch uh, two people being slaughtered in Jerusalem, as Revelation describes, and the whole world could be watching simultaneously. That's never happened. So So that's just
3: another example. Does it concern you at all? We have only have 45 seconds. Does it concern you at all that the the third temple is is really ready I mean most of it is sitting in a warehouse I mean they were there, they got everything ready to go the
4: architectural plans are done uh, the, uh, the the clothes for the priests are being uh, are being sown uh, all the implements for the uh, temple sacrifices are being done the red
3: are heifer, being built the red heifer was is this true that the red heifer they have to make the ashes of blah 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 uh, of a red heifer couldn't find a red heifer
4: and now they're just being born All over. Well, they're actually being genetically engineered right now because you need an absolutely perfect one. One was born a few years ago called Melody. She turned out to have a few uh, hairs that were flawed, and so they said, Oh, that's not the one. A a perfect one has to be born, and then once that happens, it will be sacrificed, and the temple will be ready to be built.
2: If you join me late, you're listening to Understanding the Times Radio. I'm Jan Markell. I have on the line Dr. David Reagan from Lamb Lion Ministry, lamblion.com. David, sometimes when I hear an exchange, like that, it sounds like there's more discussion going on in on secular radio and television than in our churches about the topic. I, I, you got
1: that right, Jan, and yep. I was just delighted to hear that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, on, on a secular station, to hear them discussing things like that. Yeah, but but you're so right. The church today is just asleep concerning the soon return of Jesus. You know, the first time Jesus came, it was the. Um, The church uh, uh, that recognized it, and it was the Jews who uh, uh, rejected it. Now he's about to return, and you know, you go to Israel today, and you find signs all over Israel that the Messiah is about to return. The Orthodox Jews realize that the Scriptures say, their Scriptures say, Mm -hmm. That when they are when the Jews are back in the land and back in their city, the Messiah is going to return. On june the seventh, nineteen sixty seven, when the Jews reconquered the city of Jerusalem for the first time in one thousand eight hundred and ninety seven years, Rabbi Shlomo Goram went to the western wall, blew a shofar, and said, I proclaim to you the beginning of the Messianic Age. What he meant was we're on the on the doorstep of the return of the Messiah because we're back in the country and back in the city. And so that today it's the Orthodox Jews who are expecting the Lord to come in. Any moment, they're not going to be surprised by his return. They're going to be surprised by his identity because he's going to have nail prints in his hand. It's the church that's asleep.
2: That kind of encourages me to go into this sort of transition here because... I'm just off of Understanding the Times 2013, and I sent out a little e review of it a couple weeks ago, and a gal replied, and, and she said um, in an email, It's so comforting to spend a few hours with people of like minds, even among believers. She says, But I find it unsafe to speak of Bible prophecy. Now, I'm, I'm going to emphasize that last part of her sentence again. She says, Even among believers, I find it unsafe to speak of Bible prophecy. Now, I asked her for permission. And I sent this out to my e-list, and I got back a number. Because, you know, I think we hear that eschatology is sensational, it's speculation, it's fear-mongering, it's a date-setting scheme, it's unreliable. You and I have not heard it called unsafe, unless we're deteriorating even more here, and that may be the case. So I asked for some feedback. Let me just give you a little bit of feedback, and, and then... We can discuss it, and if we have to do it on the other side of a timeout, we'll do that. One person says, uh, podcaster, I've become cautious about discussing the subject, particularly among Christians and even believing family members due to their attitude of dismissiveness or even, and this is a strong word, their contempt For the subject. Another one says, it seems to rub people the wrong way. That's Diane, and she gets great comfort from David Reagan, Prophecy in the News, and lists some others. Melinda writes and says, I too feel the same way. It's a subject that's gotten me in hot water continuously. With my own family, who are believers, and they think I'm an extreme fear monger. It breaks my heart that what is good news to me is not received well. A pastor who's going to be doing a pulpit supply in Australia says, the thing that shocked me was the pastor's response. This is the sub who was going to fill in. And the pastor of the church said, we don't talk about that here. We just concentrate on here and now. That has no relevance for us. We're busy doing the work of the Lord here. Well, David, you get the gist of that. And this isn't new news to you either.
1: No, it's not, but it's really sad. And I find that attitude among pastors a lot, uh, the attitude that Bible prophecy is all uh, wild speculation and uh, irresponsible and that it uh, has no relevance to the here and now. Well, I tell you, if it's taught properly, it is very relevant to the here and now because if you can ever convince a congregation of two things, you'll totally change them. If you can convince them, number one, that Jesus really is returning where they believe that with their heart, not just their mind. And number two, if that is an event that could occur any moment, you will motivate them to evangelism mm-hmm. and to holiness. And I don't know what more practical thing could be than that.
2: And folks, if you've had this experience in your church, among your family, your friends, email me, jan at olivetreeviews.org. Just go through the website, olivetreeviews.org. I'd like to hear from more of you. i probably got yeah, 20 to 30 responses uh, when I sent out that e-alert. This is now a week or two ago. But it wasn't a surprise to me either, David. It was disappointing, but this is kind fact, of the new a mood. it's a
1: fulfillment of Bible prophecy it because is. it says in Second uh, Peter chapter 3 that in the last days, mockers will come mocking the whole idea of, the return of Jesus Christ. And Jen, I, you know, when years ago I thought that was talking about unbelievers. Well, most yes, unbelievers could care less about couldn't. that. It's the, believers it's the believers out here talking.
2: When we come back, David, I want to talk for a few minutes about the super sign. And you write about this in the book, Living on Borrowed Time, The Imminent Return of Jesus by Dr. Dave Reagan, who is online with me, and we carry it in my bookstore, Olivetreeviews.org. Views as a viewpoint, just go to products. And uh, you can call my office, too, and and we'll send it out to you as quickly as possible. Conference CDs and DVDs available. You'll hear more about that. I'm coming back in exactly 60 seconds. So don't go away. Don't touch that dial. I'll be back with Dr. Dave Reagan.
0: The best way for you to connect with us is through our website. There you can find archived programs, conference information, and ways to sign up for our printed newsletter and e-news alerts. You can even follow us on social media. You can find it all at olivetreeviews.org or by calling Olive Tree Ministries, 763-559-4444. We'll be back in 60 seconds with more from Dr. David Reagan.
1: Yes, I ask him, well, what do you consider to be the second most important sign? Identified spiritual corruption in the church. And Boy, I would agree with that.
0: Every day on our website, we post news headlines that help you define our times. Olivetreeviews.org. This is Understanding the Times Radio.
2: Where will you be one minute after you die by then it will be too late to change your destination
1: you know that the statistics on death wasn't it c.s lewis said they're very impressive
2: dr erwin lutzer addressed that issue last fall at understanding the times 2012 and he captivated our audience
1: could i humbly suggest that if you die and go to a place where they aren't talking a lot about jesus you're indeed
2: We want to send you the book he wrote based on that message, One Minute After You Die. It's yours for a donation of any amount this fall. Just ask for it when you write or call. Contact OliveTreeViews.org or Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota 55311 or give us a call 763-559-4444. If
1: we want to find out what happens after we die, we have to get to the Scriptures Because all information about death has to be tested by Scripture.
0: Learn more about Jan Markell and this program by going online at olivetreeviews.org.
4: And people ask me, Joel, why is this period of history different from all other periods of history? I mean, Jesus said in the last days there'll there'll be wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, famine. But we've had that for all of the last 2,000 years. So why is this period different? And the answer is Israel. Uh, for The only document on the face of the planet that said Israel would be reborn as a country in the last days and Jews would regather into the Holy Land after centuries of exile was the Bible.
1: Satan hates the Jews with a passion. He hates them because God gave the word through them. He hates them because God gave the Messiah through them. He hates them because they're chosen people of God. He hates them because God's promised that one day he's going to save a great remnant of them when they turn their hearts to Yeshua, to Jesus, and receive him as Messiah. And Satan doesn't want to see a single one of them saved. That's what the Holocaust was all about. Uh, he's trying to annihilate the Jews.
0: Dr. David Reagan has been Jan's guest this segment. Now let's get back to the discussion. Here's Jan Markell.
2: And welcome back and say, have you thought of CD subscription to this program? It's only $15 a month. You need to call us, You get a CD of everything we do on Understanding the Times Radio. And the best way we keep in touch with you, and it's why I double emphasize that on the program, print an e-newsletter. Again, olivetreeviews.org, or just call us and we'll get you signed up for those items. David, during the break, um, we were talking and we're going back to your book, Living on Borrowed Time, The <coughs> Imminent Return of Jesus, and you asked you're at 22 participants, the most important sign... Pretty much unanimity that it's Israel, but talk to us about the second one.
1: Yes, I ask them. Well, what do you consider to be the second most important sign? And that's where we had a lot of variety. Now, the majority, or or the not the majority, but the the plurality, the uh, six people out of the twenty-two, the most, including you, Jan, yep. identified spiritual corruption in the church. And boy, I would agree with that. And I mean, there were some uh, graphic descriptions of it. And then the second group, four people, appointed uh, to the uh, European. Consolidation, the uh, European Union arising out of the ashes of the old Roman Empire, and then three focused in on what Joel Rosenberg was talking about a few moments ago in that uh, audio clip you played, and that was the alignment of nations of Israel with the nations that are mentioned in Ezekiel 38 and 39, like Iran and others, and uh, two of them, Jack Kinsella, who's gone on to be with the Lord now, and Brian Thomas, picked the Jewish reoccupation of the city of Jerusalem. And there were some others, but those were the major, major ones. Uh, The most important number two sign people identified was apostasy in the church today.
2: Well, I guess dealing with some of the input I get here, I'm hearing the the wreckage in the churches today, so quite tragic. I want to play one more very brief. This is less than a minute soundbite. This is the super sign. And again, Beck is quizzing Rosenberg, and Rosenberg is telling him, you know what, there's something that is so significant that we've got to talk about it, and he goes on to do that. Well, you know, we say on
4: Passover, uh, why is this night different from all other? Other nights, And people ask me, Joel, why is this period of history different from all other periods of history? I mean, Jesus said in the last days there'll, there'll be wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, famine. But we've had that for all of the last 2,000 years. So why is this period different? And the answer is Israel. Uh, for the only document on the face of the planet that said Israel would be reborn as a country in the last days and Jews would regather into the Holy Land after centuries of exile was the Bible. And this Bible prophecy, most uh, people in the world didn't believe it. Actually, many Christians didn't even believe it. That's a whole replacement theology that got developed that said God is done with the Jews. But May 14th, 1948, almost exactly 60 years ago, Israel was reborn. And now we've got a situation that makes this period of history different because Israel is what Bible scholars call the super sign. The fact that it has been reborn sets into motion all the other prophecies.
2: See, David Reagan, I guess I can kind of understand before 1948 how some of the skeptics could, well... I mean, I don't agree with it, but suggest the church uh, should have the the, uh, recognition. But after 1948, I cannot (coughs) understand. Can you help us understand this? Why 1948 didn't cause a massive theological shift in our churches?
1: Well, Jan, unfortunately, uh, a lot of it has to do with anti-Semitism. Satan hates the Jews with a passion. He hates them because God gave the word through them. He hates them because God gave the Messiah through them. He hates them because they're chosen people of God. He hates them because God's promised that one day he's going to save a great remnant of them when they turn their hearts to Yeshua, to Jesus, and receive him as Messiah. And Satan doesn't want to see a single one of them saved. That's what the Holocaust was all about. Uh, He's trying to annihilate the Jews, and he puts anti-Semitism, into people's hearts. There are people who hate Jews who have never even met a Jew, Uh, but there's a lot of anti-Semitism in the church and uh, contempt for the Jewish people and and an attitude that, well, they were the Christ killers and therefore God has washed his hands of them. And uh, so that the rebirth of Israel could not have any spiritual significance because uh, God has washed his hands of these people. And I think what we need to keep in mind is that the Bible uh, clearly identifies uh, who crucified Jesus Christ. Over in the book of Mark, for example, it talks about uh, who were the ones who uh, crucified Jesus. And it says that he was crucified by the Jews, by the Gentiles, uh, and uh, actually by all of us, that all of us are guilty of his death because he died for our sins. So we can't just blame this on one particular people. But that's what the church has done over a period of 2,000 years through this horrible thing called replacement theology, is to say, well, uh, God uh, washed his hands of the Jewish people because they were murderers of God, and therefore the church has replaced them.
2: Date-setters have... us enormously they have and um, we've had one very recently here Harold camping but there've been others and how do we i mean you and i are so opposed to the date setters to us they're laughable and yet many many people throw us into the date setting category even though we'd never do that I, it's hard to know how to deal with the scoffers dealing with date set because their criticism of that is justified
1: oh yeah it certainly is and i would grab would join them in that criticism because the bible says we can. Cannot know uh, the date of the Lord's return, and yet people say, "Oh no, well, I know it. I've got it all figured out." And mm-hmm. almost every day, I receive a chart from somebody or yeah. uh, three or four pages in, uh, detailed, telling how they have calculated what day the Lord is going to return. Despite the fact he said you cannot know, mm-hmm. and if uh, Satan loves that sort of thing, he motivates even very sincere people to set dates because he knows that, uh, for example, the press will uh, focus on that, and the day will come, the day will pass, and the press will point its finger and scoff. And and, uh, so the result of that is that uh, many uh, Christian leaders have just taken the whole field of eschatology and put it on the shelf and said it's nothing but a playground uh, for fanatics. And it is a playground for fanatics, but it can also be green pastures for disciples if it's taught properly and without sensationalism and date setting.
2: Well, we have appreciated the things you've shared with us, uh, David, over the years, both radio and our conference activity as well. Your thoughts, I found, in the book, Your thoughts on the fig tree were very helpful. Could you summarize that for us? There is much symbolic prophecy in the fig tree, the cursing of it, but the promise of its return, and you make an excellent application here.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, Yes, this, uh, for those listeners who may not be familiar with what you're talking about, we're talking about a passage in Matthew 24 that begins with verse 32. And uh, what Jesus does there in Matthew 24 is he does a lot of uh, talking about the signs of the end times. And this is very easy to understand. He just mentions one after another, cults and uh, natural calamities and apostasy in the church and all this. And then suddenly comes to verse 32 and he moves into mystery language, into parable language. And and I think the reason that he does that is because he's beginning to talk about the timing of his return, and he wants uh, those who have the Holy Spirit to understand. And so the parable uh, is of the fig tree, and he says, you watch the fig tree, and when it blossoms, you will know that the time is near for all these things to happen. The generation that sees that is the generation that will see all this uh, come to pass. And so uh, there's a lot of interpretation of that. What, what does the fig tree mean? This is, after all, a symbolic prophecy and not a, a literal one. And uh, I point out that I think it's pretty clear to me, anyway, that the fig tree stands for Israel. First of all, the fig tree is used as a symbol of Israel throughout the Old Testament. But uh, stop and think about what happened to Jesus the very day before. He was walking over the mountain, Mount of Olives, with his disciples, and he saw a a fig tree, and he put a curse on it, and the fig tree withered right in front of their eyes. And this was a symbolic prophecy that because the Jewish people had, had rejected him, that God would pour out his wrath upon them and set them aside for a time. But then the next day he said, you remember that fig tree? Watch it. One day it's going to re-blossom. That is, the state of Israel will be reestablished. And when that happens, the generation that sees that will see all these things come to pass. Then the next question that arises is, well, what does a generation mean? Does that mean 40 years from 1948? I don't think so. The word generation has to be interpreted in terms of context. And if you go through the Bible and look at that word, you'll find there's a context where it's 100 years, one where it's 20 years, one where it's 40 years, one where it's 70 years. And then there are places where it's just a, a general term, like we would say the Nixon generation, referring to people who lived during that time. We're not talking about a specific time period. And I think that's what he's talking about here, is that the people living in the time period of the reestablishment of Israel are the ones who are going to see the, the coming of the Lord. So I look upon that as a prophecy about yes. the reestablishment of Israel, and it's why Israel is so important.
2: Some who are speaking into the book, folks, because again, he's got about 22 folks who are speaking into the various questions he asked, and some of them include uh, Jim Fletcher and and uh, Mark Hitchcock, David Hawking, I'm just giving you a few, yeah. Terry James, uh, Nathan Jones, Jack Kinsella, Tim LaHaye, Dennis Pollack, yours truly, Ron Rhodes, Bill Salas, and others. So it's not just David weighing in on this, but he's... He's talking to a lot of of prophecy wonks who have excellent insight on the various questions. Again, the book is Living on Borrowed Time, The Imminent Return of Jesus, and you get it in my bookstore. You can check out lamblion.com. Dave Reagan, we are living in such dark days, and some stuff happening in America here, particularly the last couple months, is just so troubling, even shocking, even stunning. Why don't you leave us with a good word?
1: Well, again, uh, uh, we are living in dark times, but that's a fulfillment of Bible prophecy Mm -hmm. also because Jesus himself said that uh, he would return at a time when the society was like it was in the days of Noah. You go to Genesis 6, and there's two characteristics of the society of Noah, and that is increasing violence and immorality, and that's exactly what we're seeing in the world today. So I would say to people, uh, don't uh, despair, uh, even in the midst of all of this, because all of it is a sign of the soon coming of Jesus, that Jesus can appear any moment. There's not one prophecy that has to be fulfilled for him to come in the rapture. I'm expecting it any moment. I am thrilled by that thought. The world desperately needs the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to reign in glory and majesty from Mount Zion in Jerusalem, and he's truly going to bring peace, righteousness, and justice to this world as the waters cover the sea. And, and that's what this world needs. It's not the republic it's not the Democrats who are going to save us, it's going to be Jesus Christ.
2: Dave Reagan, I want to thank you folks. Let me just close talking about Paul here because he exhorts us to forget the things behind us and to look forward to what is ahead. And he pressed on to win the goal of a heavenly prize, leaving behind all this earthly broken system. Well, may we try to do the same. Uh, the eternal perspective is always the safe position to take. That's always the safe focus to have our minds looking at that eternal perspective instead of some of the calamity around us. I want to thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time.
0: We were so thankful for the thousands who attended the recent Understanding the Times 2013 conference. If you were unable to be there... The DVDs or CDs from the October 5th conference are available now. Information about ordering your copies is on our website, olivetreeviews.org. For orders by phone, just call one of our ministry associates at 763-559-4444. Understanding the Times Radio is a listener-supported ministry. That means we depend upon the generosity of our listeners to continue this mission. Thanks so very much to so many of you who are giving faithfully to help keep the program in over 652 stations across America. But did you know we still need more of you to help us? Would you consider becoming a monthly supporter of this ministry? Just write to us at Olive Tree Ministries, Post Office Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota 55311. As a thank you for your generosity, for any gift to this ministry, we'll send you Dr. Erwin Lutzer's book, One Minute After You Die, As you write with your donation, be sure to ask for the book offer. Again, we get our mail at Olive Tree Ministries, Post Office Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota, 55311. You can also become a financial partner with us just by calling 763-559-4444. 763-559-4444. Jan Markell will return next week at this same time.